Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the King Kong Minute Podcast, the show where we analyze, scrutinize, and celebrate the 2005 film King Kong one minute at a time. I'm Terry. And I'm Steven. And today we're going to be talking about minute number 27. This minute is going to be starting with a regretfully clear shot of one of <laughs> Baxter's previous works, The Dame Damer. And is going to end with a shot of Hayes and Driscoll in the cages down in the hold. Which is a much My better absolute... scene, honestly. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Uh-oh, I lost connection. Yeah. There we go. Weird. Sorry, what were we saying? Weird. <laughs> I said, uh... You know what? I don't even remember now. Oh, no, I was going to say that's my favorite uh, classic Bruce Baxter movie. <laughs> okay. Of all the Bruce Baxter films. Okay. So, <laughs> let's talk about that. Oh, man. <laughs> to quote Rhett and Link. All right. Yeah, no. So, let, let's just turn. Okay. First of all, I want to talk about the fact that this man is putting up posters of himself in his own stateroom. On top of that, let's look at the desk at the bottom corner of the Dame Tamer, that is clearly <laughs> a photo of himself mm-hmm. that he has put. It is not a photo of someone else. It is himself. Yes. Um, And, you know, like, listen, I know we're both subject to vanity a little bit. <laughs> we're not exempt. But I think this is a new level of narcissism. At Just least, saying. Yeah. If I mean, not new, at least um, popularized by uh, other rich Hollywood stars. Yeah, that's fair. Like, look, I I might be subject to vanity, but I don't I don't think I would ever stoop to the level of putting up posters of myself, photos of myself, and then posing in front of said posters <laughs> while alone in my room. Not like I'm doing it for the cameras. Exactly. Let's like, guys, look, lightsaber practice in front of the mirror is one thing, okay? And I know euphemisms of that. I'm talking about literal lightsaber practice in front of the mirror. Oh, I hate everything about that. Am I wrong, like though? That. Yeah, I mean, maybe on, on the euphemistic note, but as for just the lightsabers, the actual Lucasfilm lightsabers. It's like, hey, look, I'll be the first one to admit that uh, earlier in 2005, before I saw this, you would, find, you would absolutely catch 10-year-old me with some of his friends. In the parking lot of a TGI Fridays after having watched Revenge of the Sith at a plant doing a 10 p.m. lightsaber battle. That's absolutely fair. And some of the best memories of my childhood were with my brothers in the backyard with lightsabers. For sure. And now I play with, um, wow, that almost sounded bad. I was going to say adult lightsabers. What I mean <laughs> is expensive collector's lightsabers. Yeah, ones that you uh, hocked up for at Galaxy's Edge. Oh, yeah. I have, oh, man, I think... A prodigious 14? collection. It's it. I think it's around fourteen. Yeah, I, I lost track, but I think it's about fourteen. Um, okay. So, one more uh, thing to observe before I uh, rip into just these uh, the other posters. Um, you do notice okay. that in the other starring roles for the Dame Tamer, it's uh, mm-hmm. like a bad taste in my mouth. Um, we do see the name Maureen McKenzie <laughs> Maureen right McKenzie, at the top there. Yep. So I have to assume that this depiction on here, I'm going to just call it that. Um, depiction. Is, I'm going to assume that that is the only glimpse we get at what Maureen McKenzie would look like. That's my guess. And a um, little, little too much of a glimpse it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, Maureen, put those away. Uh, <laughs> family movie. More like Baxter put those away. Well, that's it. Um, 
Uh, and I'm just looking at the byline for this thing. Their forbidden love wrecked an empire. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I want to know how. Yeah. I, I'm guessing she was... We'll see. Okay, so this the the Dame Tamer. Do you think this is... Oh, man, we're not... We're not no, this isn't Dame Tamer Minute. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to ask those questions. No, this is absolutely the worst adaptation of Helen in Paris, like the fall of Troy. Oh, uh, there you go. This is there absolutely the worst adaptation of the Iliad in existence. <laughs> This is like that uh, Boz Lerman Romeo and Juliet, but instead it's about uh, that. To <laughs> be yeah, fair, Troy. To no, be f- you like the Boz Lerman Romeo and Juliet. It's not my favorite depiction. Okay. That, um, but I do like it. And for the okay. record, it is the most faithful to the actual original spirit of the text. I okay. Well, confession time coming from someone who's just bashing it. I haven't finished it. I started it. Is I was it, just so thrown off, I think. Is it absolutely bat brr, crazy? Yes. <laughs> okay. I like how you censor yourself with the roar now to save me time in post. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, is it absolutely? It's bonkers. But it the is. like the consistency and the design and the renaming of like um the bladed weapons as firearms is just so yeah. awesome little detail. And it is pure original text, and it is pure original text of Romeo and Juliet in just as adolescent an atmosphere as it was originally meant to be. Like, th- this is yeah. not a uh, a tempered, like, uh, this is not like a tempered patient love story. This is a frantic adolescent affair that takes place over only a couple of days that somehow ends up with a remarkable body count. <laughs> so, all that, fair. like, it is a hot, frantic mess. And all that in mind, I think that Lerman's film does a good job of maintaining that mentality, that atmosphere, because it is quite a frantic movie. It it probably does, but I guess I'm just, um, I'm not a fan of his fever dream directing style. I mean, that's like, fair. Like uh, Moulin Rouge and Great Gatsby. It's just so, like, in your face and flashy and, like, it is goes a lot. to the next thing way too fast. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, it throws me off. Yeah, it is a lot. And if you're not, like, down for that kind of thing, then obviously it would put you off. I mean, for the record... Like, all those three of those movies you mentioned, I honestly like them. Because I do you like Moulin Rouge? I do. Um, Ewan McGregor is awesome, though. Of course. Of course he is. Um, but anyway, back to this. <laughs> Moulin Rouge minute. <laughs> Baz Luhrmann minute. Okay, so oh, let's, let's just look around. Let, let's look at the full catalog of Bruce Baxter's greatest hits here. According <laughs> to Baxter's stateroom, at least. So, for one, we have The Dame Tamer. The next we have Rough Trader. And the next we have Tribal Brides of the Amazon. Amazon. And I quote. Guys, these are all bad porn titles. Ooh. All of them. Ow, I don't like that that's true. Yeah, also. It hurts my feelings. Calling this fictional... Also, let's go back to Rough Trader, the mightiest of Western stars. Oh, man. <laughs> Director John Ford and actor John Wayne are going to have some stern words about this. One or two. Mm, or both. Or both. Um, uh, um, I didn't do enough digging to know if any of the other actor names listed here, if any of them are um, actors in reality, if they're all Neither fictitious. Did I. I'm going to assume that they are all fictitious, though. Yeah. But probably named after, like, members of uh the film crew who make king kong you know like almost certainly or, or family members and friends or hey this one guy in vfx 
wanted his name there, so we did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh so yeah, like that 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 okay, that's my Baxter rant over. <laughs> but it's I had to say it. No, that's fair. Like this we're a large portion of this minute is dedicated to this. <laughs> and man, he this guy needs deserves to get taken down a peg. So even if he doesn't know it, I'm here to do it. <laughs> um once again kyle chandler absolutely yes. hamming it up like i man, love it <laughs> good acting as bad acting <laughs> yes accurate um and then we have the real introduction of basically your your favorite story thread of this film right uh, yeah um honestly yeah we have the introduction of uh jamie bell playing the role of jimmy a role that mm-hmm. was specifically created for him Mm-hmm. Um, and I am obligated to throw out the uh, trivia bit that Jamie Bell stayed in character throughout the entirety of production, never lapsing out of his um, affected American accent. He is British yeah. by birth, but apparently he maintained an American accent throughout the entirety of production. I am. Um, I was surprised when I looked at his IMDb how little I knew him from. To be mm. honest, I, I expected him to be someone I recognized from other things. Um, but not really. Yeah, Only the, a few other things. The first film that I consciously remember seeing him in um, was only a few years prior to this. Um, I don't remember exactly when this came out, but it was a BBC production of Nicholas Nickleby, um, okay. where he plays some obscure, typically, uh, what is it, um, Dickens, like Dickensian, um, okay. abused orphan, basically. Sure. Or it's like abused, like Victorian London era uh, child kind of thing. Um, sure. so that was the first time I consciously remember seeing him in a film at all. And like, obviously like it, it the, the, I mean, the movie didn't really grab me, but Jimmy Bell's acting definitely did. And I remember mm-hmm. I immediately recognized him when I saw this in theaters. It's like, Oh, Hey, it's that kid. It's that kid. Uh, yeah. Pretty much the only film I actually recognized, recognized was fan stick. Oh yeah. That, that terrible terrible fantastic four remake uh yeah it just yeah ha- anyway <laughs> that it's movie a, happened and look, he was in it look as campy and mm, problematic as the uh 05 and 07 fantastic four films were oh, yeah. they still had moments when the, you really yes. could enjoy them oh yeah you cannot they had some soul to them yeah you cannot say that about the 2015 <laughs> it's awful was it 2015, really? Yeah, came out the same wow. year as Jurassic World. It was in theaters, like, the same time as Jurassic World. Oh, well, <laughs> that also explains womp, a lot womp. about its performance in the box office. Yep. Um, so, you know, I should have introduced this episode as one lamb's brains and walnut sauce minute at a time. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. I decided to go on a small rant, not rant, a small um, rabbit hole in the internet seeing uh, about people eating brains and where that's a thing. And apparently they are a great source of vitamin B12. That's, that's about all I know. All right, listeners, that's something you know now. Now you know. If you ever get a hold of a lamb's brain, you get your B12 for the day. Also, I really have to wonder, are those lamb's brains? Is that some other kind of meat mishmash? I mean, I don't know. Maybe brains were like an, a cheap, like a cheap protein source that could be easily mm-hmm. obtained. It's kind of like you know, like liver or like other intestines that you often see served. Sure. Well, I do know um, 
well, the one thing I saw online, it was like, as Americans, we've kind of lost the culture of uh, using all of an animal's parts to, yeah. you know, in your, in your, uh-huh. Animals. Yeah. Not that I am advocating eating brains, nor yeah. am I not advocating it. I haven't looked into it enough. It just seems a little gross. Yeah, hey, who <laughs> knows? Maybe, it's not Indiana Jones minute, but maybe chilled monkey brains are a real treat. Who knows? I, I brought that. I, yep, I put that in my notes, too, is that's what it reminded me of. So. <laughs> uh, we'll never know. I mean, hey, maybe properly prepared, it could be something. I don't know. I just don't sure. know anyone who's willing to try. Sure. Um, so, Hayes comes down asks jimmy if he has run the ropes up to the deck like he asked him to and he said i'm doing it right now and that's when hayes basically catches jimmy pickpocketing um jack driscoll's pen fountain pen so mm-hmm. uh i decided to look up how much a pen like that would cost in 33 mm. it was kind of difficult but apparently somewhere in the five to seven dollar range which today would be 100 to 150 yeah. which is so, yeah i've seen pens mm-hmm. that run that much so yep yeah yeah, so for fountain pens, I mean, Jamie was, or Jamie, Jimmy, Jamie, Jimmy, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, there we go, was essentially uh, stealing quite a bit from, from Driscoll here yeah. by trying to get that pen away from him. Like, that, stealing quite a bit anytime, regardless, like, depression era. Right. Um, and, of course, Hayes is mm-hmm. the father figure there to Jimmy, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Um, I do have, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just about to say he launches into a, a backstory for uh-huh. Jimmy, but if you have something else to say. No, I was um, just going to say I have more that I could say about this next time, considering that's the minute that actually covers the full explanation. But um, all I'll say is some people were criticizing um, Hayes' exposition on Jimmy here as being oddly placed or kind of clunky, but I have to disagree. Um, okay. All I'll say right now is as it becomes very clear, Hayes is the closest thing to a father figure that Jimmy right. has. And much like a parent would after a child's wrongdoing, would try to offer some kind of explanation. Right. And Which is fair. Yep, that's what we see. And that is where I'll cut it for this minute, because I do want to mm-hmm. save it for the next time. I, I forgot. I did have one more note. Um, yeah. When it does uh, trail away from Baxter back to Jack writing in the cell... Firstly, actually, you might have answered the question was, was he using his, did he bring a typewriter? Was he using Carl's? But I think yesterday you might have uh, <laughs> answered that question. And yeah. then the other thing I had was, none of that cargo is secure. Yep. None of it. <laughs> it's all going to fall over. Yeah. Probably on to Jack. Yeah, well, you know, it really makes me wonder, it's a miracle that all of that chloroform didn't just shatter <laughs> on a rogue yeah. wave and uh, cause some severe problems for the entire crew but the whole crew to sleep yeah apparently according well, to i mean Anglehorn. that amount that prolonged exposure i suppose yeah mm-hmm. yeah it very well could have and at the very least it would impair judgment severely i bet that stain would be unremovable oof <laughs> sick bird <laughs> what was it though no no it wasn't don't give me don't give me that credit <laughs> i don't deserve that trust me if it when it's a sick burn you'll know <laughs> all right um i don't know i i guess that's all i got for this minute uh can you come back tomorrow terry yeah, i think i can manage beautiful then i won't be alone yeah for now <laughs> for now all right well folks i think that is it for now so you all hear us when you hear us on the next episode of the, the king, king kong, kong dame minute. tamer minute uh <laughs> <laughs>
I refuse. <laughs> Alright, 